Welcome to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Rimel, registered nurse, founder and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. During her podcast, Krista will interview experienced and successful healthcare professionals on outside-the-box health topics. During their time together, they will have in-depth discussions with trusted medical and health and wellness leaders to discover what they do to stay well using traditional and non-traditional health practices. Experts will share not only what, but why they practice the holistic lifestyle medicine they do and the science that backs their less than mainstream ideas. You'll hear the real and relatable personal health struggles of healthcare providers and what rebelling outside of the traditional healthcare system did to better their lives, careers, and health. Tune in to listen and learn the mind-body-spirit practices from conventional health experts who share hope and inspiration from honest stories of healing while reflecting the scientific-based evidence to wisely guide the inner rebel inside you. It's time to rebel and be well. Dr. Jared Siegler to the Rebel and Be Well podcast. I would like to take a moment to introduce our audience to you by sharing your bio and background. Dr. Jared Siegler is a doctor of chiropractic and has been a certified functional medicine provider for the past seven years. He is also trained in over 400 hours of functional neurology to help promote growth, development, and healing of various regions in the central nervous system. For the last four years, he has served the Living Proof Institute as clinical director. After training hundreds of clinicians in functional medicine and functional neurology, a large part of his focus is to bring awareness to the healing potential of the human body metabolically through functional medicine and promoting neuroplasticity through functional neurology to help with the rising occurrences of chronic disease and providing solutions for complex health problems. Dr. Jared was at the point back in 2018 for a private team retreat. I now look forward to having you and your family returning to the point this November. Jared treats people with very complex conditions, in particular those with neurodegenerative diseases such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And as many of you know, Alzheimer's is a cause that's close to my heart as my mother has end-stage Alzheimer's and I carry the Alzheimer's gene. In addition, he treats traumatic brain injuries and congenital disorders. My middle daughter was born with a condition called craniosynostosis, which was fortunately something that could be fixed with a few surgeries and many hours with a team of neurosurgeons. Fast forward 12 years, and the same daughter is suffering effects of two sports-related concussions. People with an expertise like Jared's in healing the brain through functional neurology, the specialty that is the specialty that pulled my daughter through the multiple effects of surgeries and concussions, a discipline that was new to me at the time and might be new to our audience. I quickly experienced the healing powers it possesses. Jared, I'm excited to take a deep dive into functional medicine and functional neurology and brain health with you today. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, to the point of your daughter, like that's usually where it's, I find it magical, just like how the brain can change and rewire and heal. Uh, it, it's like astounding, you know, it like never gets old. You know, it doesn't. I will say both from the perspective of trying to prevent Alzheimer's and then having a daughter with a um, you know significant um, congenital brain issue, I'm so I've always felt really hopeful because of functional medicine and functional neurology. 
And when I saw her go through her first functional neurology assessment, you know, I've been a nurse for 20 years and we've seen multiple neurosurgeons. Everything about it was so different. And I was so intrigued and fascinated and impressed. So I think there's a lot to that discipline. People just have no idea that exists. So I'm excited to share more of that with people today because that is exactly what you do. And you take people with conditions that often leave them with little hope and you give them a lot of hope, which is a really remarkable thing to bring into the world. And that's the thing with chronic disease, you know, like surgeons are surgeons. Like I tell people that like, I'm not, I'm not like a traditionally trained neurologist. I'm not an MD. You definitely don't want me giving the surgery to your daughter. Like that would be like probably the worst mm-hmm. fit. Um, but to the point of functional neurology, I just say a functional medicine is the black sheep of healing Functional neurology is like the purple sheep. Like people just don't even know it's there. And to me, that's the kind of like, like kind of misery of it in the sense that like people have gone through like 10, 20, 30 years, like post-concussive syndrome, like Parkinson's Mm -hmm. symptoms. And I mean, I have a 34 year old with Parkinsonian tremors Mm. uh, and I mean, not to like, but like he was so young because I told him, I was like, I've never seen anyone your, like your age, like you're mm-hmm. younger than me with Parkinson's, dude, mm-hmm. like never seen it, you know? Um, but he's like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, the good news is you're young, so you could probably heal fast. But I mean, we got his tremors done in like a month. Wow. You know, of course, we're still like working, like, mm-hmm. you know, why is this happening? Back to there's some genes and like, you know, mm-hmm. that predisposition and maybe some epi, which we definitely found like epigenetic reasons. But this guy like works in hospitals. And I can just speak from my daughter who had multiple surgeries on her head and then had two sports concussions. I'm an advocate for medicine. I love medicine. I've spent a bulk of my career in traditional healthcare. But I, you know, when I bring her to the doctor, I know exactly what they're going to say. And it's, you know, rest, obviously, you know, a lot decrease the um, exposure to, you know, screen time. Um, don't hit your head again. Darkened room and don't hit your head again. I was like, Okay, so what else do you got in your bag of tricks? Because, you know, she wanted to be back on the field as soon as possible. And, you know, we just wanted her brain to rebound. Okay. After the second concussion, I was like, we've got to do more for her. She, like, she's had way too much happen to her brain. Like, she can't be, like you just said, that 34-year-old patient who all of a sudden has a really significant chronic condition because we didn't do enough at her younger ages to heal her brain. In the functional neurology space and clinic that I brought her to, it, it was fascinating. I was like, tell me more about like why you're doing that. Like, and they found things in her that I've never, ever, ever seen anyone else catch. And Mm -hmm. it was so impactful since we've kind of just gone right into this. When someone say comes in with a concussion, like what would you do that's different than say a traditional healthcare provider? Oh, wow. Well, uh, I do a lot of the metabolic stuff too. So like if I were to hit my head, I would just quit eating. Like uh, the best way to naturally decrease inflammation and start that healing cycle because mm-hmm. inflammation with the head injury is a necessary evil. All that, it's like dead shrub, right? Like you got to cut that stuff out before you can even try to plant new trees. Yeah. If those shrubs never get removed by inflammation, if someone just starts, well, I chugged fish oil and turmeric and did all these anti-inflammatories and like that's not really what the research I would say is demonstrating. We like need that evil. It's that uncontrolled inflammation that never completes the healing cycle that we typically see. Okay. I usually say like, if you can't, if somebody can metabolically not eat, I'd say you should probably just quit eating for the next few days. 
Yeah. Totally sleep, but any bed rest after 48 hours, I would argue, is actually contraindicated. Now, if they're not ambulatory, like if it's a hard enough head injury, they like can't even walk anymore. Uh-huh. You know, we'll see those like a, you know, blast injury veterans and stuff like that. Sure. So, of course, but if we say if you can move and walk, you should. You, mm-hmm. you have to get moving again. That rest after 48 hours is actually probably going to spiral things further out of control because if Mm. you don't use it you lose it type Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. and you've just lost a lot Mm -hmm. so we need to try to regain that and moving like on two legs is say we're uh, of all the mammals we're like the species that can do it the most proficiently right you know like birds can do it and stuff but our brains are just so like more advanced in that area and then metabolically just trying to heal Okay. Um, but then we'll go through kind of a functional neurology exam and I'm a unicorn in the sense I do it all online. Like I, yeah. I don't even see people face to face and so you can't do the stuff like, you know, the VNG goggles and everything mm-hmm. like those are important. And I'll assess people and say, Hey, this is like, we can't do it over the internet. You, mm-hmm. you need to fly somewhere or do something. Mm-hmm. But then there's also part of it where I say, well, there's some things that you just can't miss either. Mm-hmm. Like, cause even their spouse will be like, oh my gosh, like that's like, well, I didn't think it was going to be that different. And we'll see maybe one hand is moving different or their eyes might move differently mm-hmm. or uh, especially balance is usually horribly affected. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you just kind of bring it out, you know, you isolate one region of the brain, like maybe for balance. I'll mm-hmm. just tell people what I call the flamingo pose. Mm-hmm. I'll say, just stand on one leg, get your balance, and then close your eyes. And they're like, oh, I have good balance. I'm like, yeah, with your eyes open with two feet. Yeah. Say, but when you close your eyes and when you're on one leg, say your right leg, for example, we're like isolating your right cerebellum and mm-hmm. your ear canals. Like, because they're like, now they're balancing instead of just based off your vision. Because hmm. your brain likes it easy, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody does. It's mm-hmm. like water, path of least resistance. Then we'll maybe tease something out and we're like, ah. Because we want to encourage those connections, you know, um, and that's what neuroplasticity is. And, and nothing against like the medications, like if someone has intracranial hypertension and they're like, we're worried about bleeding, like, dear God, take your meds, please. Right, right. Um, like, don't skip on the lacinopril right. just because we did some eye movements or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so there's always a time and a place. You know, TBI is the one thing after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. There's actually some good research before the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can do to even like, because yeah, like TBI, you never expect that. Like nobody plans, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, let me just prepare for this TBI like a marathon. Unless you're <laughs> right. a boxer, then you like kind of know it's coming. <laughs> right, it's inevitable. Um, you know, but that's where usually with that type of scenario, usually we're trying to pick up the pieces. The yeah. way I try to encourage people to approach brain health is like you don't even want it to start. Because like to the young gentleman with Parkinson's, mm-hmm. he developed those symptoms at 32 years old. But that part of his brain was degrading well before then. It probably mm-hmm. took a long time for it to degrade enough for he's like, I can't hold water and drink dinner. Like, mm-hmm. I can't eat. I can't drink. Because um, he has Crohn's disease as well. Mm, complicated. So and we know with like a Parkinsonian model from a functional medicine or whatever you want to call it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I like, like that term so much anymore. It just gets mm-hmm. used all over the place mm-hmm. um but we know those toxins from the gut climb up the vagus nerve and go into that brain stem and just start pounding that substantia nigra mm-hmm. you know um so then for him we know i was like dude how long have you had crohn's He's like, oh since i was 13 i was like yeah so your brain probably started degenerating at least that region around 13 years old it just took you like 20 some years before you like really you know felt it 
And that's, I think, what's so fascinating about functional neurology is you can isolate certain regions of the brain and you have exercises that you can recommend and, and teach patients so that it kind of regenerates the pathways in that mm-hmm. specific region that's been impacted by an injury or mm-hmm. illness. So I went to an IFM conference, Institute for Functional Medicine conference, and they showed some videos of neurodegenerative diseases being treated by clinicians such as yourself. It was I mean, my jaw was like dropping to the floor as I watched patients recover from things that otherwise would have been like, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do for you kind of conditions. And um, what's crazy is it happens real time. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's what I call the oh crap moments because people will be looking like maybe we'll do something for balance, like a facial stimulation or a hand movement or something. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be like a statue and everyone's just like, what the crap? And they're like, it happens real time. Like yeah. it's, it's going to go away. It's not like a magic show. Yeah. I was like, and that's why it's like riding a bike. You just keep practicing and practicing and practicing. And, and then you can go 30 years and never ride a bike and still hop on mm-hmm. barring like a head injury, right? like barring you didn't lose those connections and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's where that's to me part of the misery. Cause I'll see people like I had a lady a few days ago, post-concussive syndrome. She's been suffering for like 15 years. Mm. And like literally within an hour, she's like, oh my gosh, like I, I feel like just calmer, like my headache's starting to go away. Her mm-hmm. eyes couldn't even agree like where her thumb was in front of her face. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, and that's a very anxious place to be for your brain. So when mm-hmm. she's like, oh yeah, my anxiety is going away. I'm like, yeah, your body can agree where mm-hmm. something is and it's not, you're worried about like slapping you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Because if your brain really doesn't know where something is, that's like a freak out moment. Like you can't even gauge your environment. Right. Right. There's everything else is going to kind of, you know, be impacted by that. Yeah. Like the people that wear the drunk goggles and then get nauseous. We're like, yeah, right. That's because <laughs> right. your, your, your ear canal yeah. and cerebellum can't hang. Yeah. You know? yeah. They can't keep up with all your drinks. Mm-hmm. So Jared, I'm just going to bring up two terms that you and I both said that I just want to make sure in case someone's listening and they're they're not familiar with them. So this term neuroplasticity, um, and feel free to add anything to this, but neuroplasticity is kind of this new philosophy that the brain can actually repair itself in a much greater capacity than once ever thought. So um, things can be repaired what at one time we thought could not. Um, and then two, TBI stands for traumatic brain injury. So you heard that word TBI, if you're wondering what that stands for. Um, that's what that is. Uh, so my next question for you is, how did you become a unicorn in all of this? Like what drew you to be that practitioner that decided I'm going to do something different? You know, I spent a lot of money learning functional neurology, flew all over, looked at all the big clinics, but half the time, more than half the time it would get to a therapy or some form of neuroplastic exercise. I think that's it. Yeah. Like we're literally just putting a vibration or cold pack on the side of their face. Like the hell they travel across the country for. Right, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, so th- and don't get me wrong. There are those scenarios we're back to, again, there's like always a scale, right? You yeah. know, like firecracker versus a stick of dynamite. Um, but that's where like a lot of the times I would just see very simple solutions. And I thought, Hmm, I can, like, I can see this stuff with my eyes. Yeah. And we can record stuff and I can demonstrate things. Like I started doing Zoom before even COVID. Mm-hmm. So like when COVID hit and everything shut down, they're like, how's your clinic? And I'm like, fine. Like I, I was already online. Like I, nobody can shut me down really unless I like lose my internet connection. Right. Uh, let's not go there though. Yeah. Um, 
which is good but, for know, yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. um but i thought wow this can be super simplified i just felt you know about three or four years into still learning which you know i've been doing neuroplastic stuff for a while almost six years now almost mm. um and uh i i just uh thought that like as clinicians we made it hard mm-hmm. like because and patients can learn a lot they can name tracks in the brain that are like incredibly long and i'm like you know your triangle loop you've been studying <laughs> yeah you know um, but then half the time I'd say, we don't need to know the words. I just tell people like, Hey, you know, like we'll use, for example, um, the pons and the cerebellum, they were mm-hmm. the same tissue. If you remember back in embryology. Mm-hmm. So the pons is part of the brainstem, like breathing, eye movement, heart rate, like important stuff. Right. Um, and then we have the cerebellum, which is balance anyways. So they separated about day 32 inside of people's mama's belly. Mm-hmm. Might be off by the day. My embryologies were a little bit rusty, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then I just tell people, like, so what we're doing is we found a road that's closed. Your mm-hmm. cerebellum's not working. Let's look for a detour. Mm-hmm. You can't not feel the right side of your face and not talk to the middle of your right cerebellum, which mm-hmm. is responsible for balance along that side. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for one to be activated and not the other. Hmm. So that's what I say. So we know these detours. We know these pathways. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to your point, neuroplasticity, the concept has been around since the 60s. Hmm. Okay. Well, before my time. That's mm-hmm. why I say it's like such a purple, like, Wow, if you look back in references, people are talking about it a long time ago. And they're like, okay. oh, it's really cool. You know, because like it's a traditional TBI, they're like, oh, you're a year out of your head injury. Nothing else can be done. And yeah. I'm like, that's not true at all. Yeah. Like, uh, and from my experience, that's what I would say, like a limiting belief that someone might be imposing on you. I know you have a lot of um, traditional medical colleagues in your camp and then non-traditional. So how accepting is everyone of, you know, kind of the different methodologies and, you know, ways of treating things in the functional neurology world? I mean, has it been really hard to break through traditional medicine clinicians or has it been, what's your experience? No, not at all. It's just usually one of those things like you can't, un- like yeah, once you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. That's okay. Like before I learned about it, I was just like, I don't know. Like, I would have said the same thing. Like, oh, your kid's autistic. Like maybe I can give them some supplements or something. Right. Uh, where now my first approach is like, we need to totally look for retained primitive reflexes. Like they're not growing connections. Yeah. Frontal cortex isn't developing. Let's fix that. Everybody became a doctor to like help somebody. Yeah. Cause I know people will think like, Oh, it's for the money. I'm like, uh, I have patients that do electrical stuff. Like uh, computers, like they like have like way bigger houses. So mm-hmm. it's not like a money thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like there's that desire to help. And once they see that, hey, there's this totally other other avenue that doesn't require like intensive laborious training. I mean, it can, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, but hey, we can get action, like immediate results Mm -hmm. sometimes. And I think that's what everybody's after. You know, with typical allopathic medicine, unless okay, there's usually like the this for that approach, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, here's your hypertension, take a medication and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, I I view a pitfall as functional medicine as it's tried to replicate that. Well, Mm -hmm. here's your high blood pressure supplement, you know, like a Hawthorne root or something. 
versus like, well, why is your body trying to raise blood pressure? Mm-hmm. Especially with maybe something after a head injury, your nervous system, your sympathetic and parasympathetics are way out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you're still in this anxious fight or flight state, I would expect your blood pressure to be high. Like, congratulations, it's doing everything it's meant to do right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. You know, like your body is making zero mistakes. Trust me. It's just trying to adapt. Yeah. As best it thinks it can. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so important. And, you know, I love the fact that at our retreat that we're going to be doing together in November, that's one of our platforms and our goals at the point is to try and bridge together kind of philosophies and and treatment specialties in medicine so that we can learn from one another. And there's value in understanding what's being done in the traditional capacity and then, you know, in the functional capacity and how can we better care for our patients at the end of the day if we're all working together and understanding what the other person is doing. And that's what really excites me about having you and Brandon uh, there because you guys are a perfect example of that. And I know you have a lot of partners that you've accomplished doing this really well with. So we it can be done. Um, and you two are both shining examples of that. Clinicians have had probably a more stressful year than ever, uh, given the pandemic and all of the additional compounding complex issues that's created, whether it's anxiety, sleep deprivation, social isolation, depression. All of the above. All of the above, right. (laughs) All of it. So what would you, and I know we've kind of shifted our focus. You know, we originally had this retreat planned pre-pandemic. Now, post-pandemic, we're shifting a little bit and really trying to also allow the clinicians that come to have time to kind of rest and restore their own bodies and brains. Uh, So what do you think is key in that? I mean, I know we're interjecting some of that and what we're doing in November, but like if you had one thing that you're like, hey, look, like here's a really good place to start if you are, you know, a human clinician, whatever your profession, but you just feel like you're really suffering the consequences of the last year and the stress is just weighing on your brain. What would, what would you recommend? Breathing in gratitude. I know those sound so simple, but without like just getting into the weeds of all of that, like breathing is so simple but it's like the best window into our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. If we can change our breath rate, we can change a lot. Um, And if we can change our attitude, Mm -hmm. we can change a lot, you know, because I, I, again, I work with like very chronically ill people Mm -hmm. and I find it's true when I was talking to an oncologist, I find it translates into chronic disease as well. I can, he said to me, I can basically tell who's going to live or die and make it through treatment before we even start based on their outlook and their attitude. Hmm. It's like, it's not guaranteed, but if people are, I'm going to beat this cancer, I got this. He's like, I'm betting on them. Mm He's like, if they're over there writing their will, they've given up in their mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, I find that's true because I'll say, you can still feel bad, but you can still be grateful for what you have. You can still be like, you know, in a, a space to heal Because a lot of the times what I find is people will do the thing to like check the box off the list. Okay, I gave gratitude. I did this. I took some supplements. I did my yoga. Like, but we're checking stuff off the list. list. We're not really like enjoying that right now. We're not doing it just to do it. Not being present in the moment. Last night I was going to work out, you know, check that Mm -hmm. off the list, got my workout. And my daughter's like, hey, you want to practice soccer? And I was like, totally. I even told her this morning, I was like, that was way funner than working out. I was like, yeah. I've done Olympic lifting for decades. Like, that's kind of boring at this point. Like, right. but I'll never forget that night of playing soccer with her. Yeah. Being so present in whatever you're doing and really sitting in it. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the purpose behind it, you know, mm-hmm. I jokingly say, like, 
because back to that, like, you know, if patients have the attitude, like, well, I guess I'll take the pills and do the exercises and change my diet. I'm just like, no, no, see you later. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, no offense, take that somewhere else. Right. Um, you know, but like, that's where, what I find is if, uh, as clinicians, if we can actually just start to disconnect too, Mm -hmm. and like not just try to check it off the list mm -hmm. um because a lot of us do the right things as clinicians right like we got our aura rings we're doing all this stuff and and the numbers can be good um but the analogy i use i say is like if i just uh like stayed out all night and didn't tell my lovely wife where i was but i came mm -hmm. home with flowers every morning mm -hmm. flowers are a cool thing that might be the supplement in the story or the brain exercise in the story Mm -hmm. But why I'm giving my wife flowers is completely wrong. Hmm. It's a good analogy. So context, right? Mm -hmm. Now the flowers are a negative. Like, great, he's giving me flowers again. He stayed out all night. Right, right. right. And, like it totally shifts that perception. And, and that's really impactful. I would say more impactful than maybe the act of the flowers itself. Right. I think the hardest yeah. thing I've ever done, and this should not be as big of an accomplishment as it was, but it was for me, is I was working with, um, his name is Kim House, and he is a Zen Buddhist, and he ha does silent meditations. And I sat and did a couple of 30 and 45 minute silent meditations with them. And it was, I was so hyper aware of how like my brain was just going all the time and how I really struggled to sit in those minutes, which is why I knew I needed it. But it's, you know, we, we struggle with just allowing our brains to be quiet, our bodies to settle. Well, here in the United States, we have the perception that doing nothing is the equivalent of lazy. Yes. Like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going in surgery, but you can still text me if you need me. Like, <laughs> no, man, just like, what are you doing right now? Like, <laughs> you know, like, and that's where like uh, a lot of the times I find people don't establish those barriers. Yeah. Like I have, uh, cause I work online. So at 6 PM, my screen turns like red, like a film room red. Yeah. Um, and that's my sign. Hey, it's 6 PM. Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I need to spend time with my family, hang out, like disconnect. Yeah. Um, so that way, and it, it's, it's an art and it's hard because at first you don't disconnect. You just, I would just be sitting there like playing with my kids, like thinking about what I needed to do. Right. And that didn't work. Um, so it, it takes, it took me practice, but now I've found if I can actually just, yeah, be present, be silent in those moments. Yeah. Uh, that's, oh, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. That's yeah. a sweet spot for you and your daughter, right? So she'll remember yeah. that too. She'll remember that my dad took the time to go and play soccer yeah. with me. And, and you, you know, when we think of like stuff like chronic disease, like adverse child events and stuff, I just mm -hmm. tell my wife, like, you know, just the fact we're giving our kids a stable, safe upbringing where they view their lives as like stable and safe. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's like huge. Yeah, the organic stuff's great, but mm -hmm. like, just that emotional, subconscious, cognitive-like development. Because mm -hmm. um, as we know, those adverse child events, things came out, and I'm just like, wow, you know? Because uh, I look back at a lot of chronic disease, and not all of them, but a lot of people had some form of either, like, emotional trauma, physical trauma. And that trauma could be, you know, in the form of a TBI. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be, like, a sexual abuse sure. or anything like that. Sure. But, you know, because I've seen kids have, like, be in car wrecks at, like, a year old, and they have, like, a TBI, and then they're autistic. They, like, lost all this stuff type thing, and we're like, yeah. wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, 
But it's like that Abraham Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. just that safety and security in your surroundings, you know, and where you're growing up as a kid and things like a car wreck are obviously not safe. You know, things like an unsafe home are clearly not safe Um, and how those impact the developing brain. um, It's -hmm. really powerful. That's actually when we try to disconnect. Because usually with functional neurology, we'll try to grow connections. Sometimes we do try to break those connections. Mm, I suppose. We, we, we kind of dub it negative plasticity, or mm-hmm. at least that's what it's been called as far as I know. But the brain gets better at whatever it does. Mm-hmm. It's, I just always tell you know my patients, I'm like, you know that old guy that's like super mad? Mm-hmm. He's so good at being mad because he's done it for like 50 years. Like that's yeah. all his brain knows how to do is go down that pathway anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so whatever we practice that we're going to get better, you know, and that can be a negative. Actually, we can get too good at anger and anxiety and jealousy and all these mm-hmm. things. Like that's back to like scrolling the feed or something with social media. Like mm-hmm. I don't quit looking at this screen just to go look at another screen. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, people be like, oh, are you ignoring me? I texted you like two days ago. I'm like, sorry, I just try not to look at my phone. Like I... Like I, yeah. I'm okay if technology was like gone. Yes. Like I'd be one of the few that'd be like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Much simpler. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So now I never have to answer this and just throw my phone away. Right. Hey, I somehow survived without it growing up as a kid, you know, with like four TV stations that we hardly ever even watched. And, you know, absolutely. I, I mean, generationally you see the difference in that and it's, it's profound and it, I mean, it impacts me, it impacts you, it impacts all of us now. Yeah. Um, for, you know, like, like you get to let us bring the kids to where we're going, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I told my wife, I want our daughter to have experiences more than things. Yeah. Like, cause there's just stuff that you, it's just a thing, you know, mm-hmm. like I, and that's a, I know we sometimes get way off cause we're talking like, well, let's not get way off. But you know, after uh gosh, what was that one guy that wrote the book, public relations, he was Freud's nephew. He was able to understand the psychology of how to get people to buy something mm. uh, basically change the marketing for mm-hmm. don't talk about how great the pen is talk about how great you feel after you buy the pen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But i know what you're referencing looking, you'll always be looking for that kind of external like dopamine pain like uh-huh. here's my pleasure in the pen and i just tell my daughter if, if you're looking for pleasure in the things outside it's never going to stay that way. You always have yeah. to look for something else. I'm like, you have to learn how to be happy on the inside. First. Right. It's that marshmallow first. experiment that I'm sure you've seen, right? With a group well, of kids yeah, who are given marshmallows you know, and told not to eat them. And those that could resist not eating them, mm-hmm. you know, they've studied them, you know, for years. And they were ones yeah. that you were, you know, far happier individuals into their adulthood. Yeah. And, you know, and that's where like, and the reason I bring that up is because like we didn't, we don't have cable TV, we don't listen to the radio. So she had never like seen an advertisement before we go to a hotel. Hmm. She's just like, what? Like, yeah. yeah, what's Happy Meal? They give you toys? Like, <laughs> it doesn't like, take oh, long. Your go. kids are like, where am I looking? Yeah. Um, right. You know, but, uh, and that's where I, I just like, um, to the point of a developing brain, uh, I, I truly believe children can comprehend, like, there's not that stage of, like, there is that stage of, like, concrete development and, like, understanding mm-hmm. abstract thoughts. But every time I've sat down and explained something to my daughter, even if it's something that should be above her level of comprehension, mm-hmm. she understands. Yeah, they know, understand more than understands they think. understands the concept of, you know, mm-hmm. money doesn't buy happiness and stuff like that. That's really cool. Which can be hard. 
it was, you know, we were told we'd never have kids. So I have this daughter that I was like, hey, I'm like, let me spoil her. She's my first. Like, I, we were told we'd never have kids. So I had a hard time telling her no. So yeah. I was like, Ugh. yeah. Um, with my son, it's easy. I'll just be like, oh, tough up a little bit. Like, uh-huh. I'm not done yet. That's you the know? difference between the first and the second. And then if you ever have a third, you're kind of like, hey, you know, here are the keys to the house. Just don't burn it down. Okay. We, we, you know, we've talked in like, I'm going to be 55 when he's 18, which isn't old, but I always wanted to be the dad that could like play with my kids. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to be like rickety and nothing against it, you know, but like my knees and shoulders and back already hurt. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying. So I can't imagine like 20 years from now, like, yeah, let me be trying to like have another kid or something because I know <laughs> I know people that have kids in like their 40s and a testament to the fact their body can do it because yeah. you know we're not this like oh well 35 years old you can't have kids oh, really like why mm-hmm. is that a rule mm-hmm. um you know uh but like half the time we'll see the uh, I'll see a lot of infertility people and it's mm-hmm. not like a thing I do but I said, well, we'll just focus on health and I remember this one couple they're in their mid-40s and they're like we got pregnant and I was just like is this a cool thing or did I like ruin the retirement? Oh, <laughs> right. like, you know, and they were like, no, we're ecstatic. You know, yeah. all their other kids are like in college and stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and nothing against it, but I'm like, you know, and they're even telling me like, it's a lot harder when you're older, mm-hmm. like keeping up with them, doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah. I had my first when I was 20 and my third when I was 34 and talk about a difference physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, really different experiences. And then one in between those two, but, um, so yeah, very, very different. So going, so really, if you think of, okay, so you think of the, for our kiddos and our adults that are experiencing a lot of stress, you brought something up that I want to circle back on. And that was using breathing to put yourself, you know, cause often we run on this in the sympathetic state, especially in our country, which is um, fight or flight. So like we're always go, 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 go. And then the parasympathetic state being where you can rest and digest, uh, your nervous system settles down. And you said, you know, use breath to put yourself from sympathetic to parasympathetic. So you hear a lot about breath and breath work these days, but like in the simplest way, how can you tell people to, to do that? Like, how do you breathe differently? So you go from a sympathetic state to a parasympathetic state, whether you're an adult or a kiddo, I'm yeah, assuming it's beneficial for say, both. Uh, do the kind of opposite when you're running. Okay. You know, cause everyone's like short, shallow panting through the mouth breaths. Yeah. Um, like, and there's lots of different ones. But um, I usually just like, cause there's so many different breaths and there's a lot of different regions. Um, but I'll just use like uh, CPAP machines. Like I tell people like, do you know anyone with sleep apnea? They're like, yeah. I'm yeah. like, so their throat didn't magically get too big. Their brain just can't control. Breathe in, breathe mm-hmm. out, breathe in, breathe out when they're asleep. Can't control like tidal volume. Right. Um, now we're getting outside of like the realm of simply putting it. Um, <laughs> That's okay. That happens. (laughs) I just say that's our, I usually just tell people that's our window in. You Uh can't control pupil dilation, blood flow to your extremities, or blood pressure or heart rate with your mind. Uh But you can consciously control your breath. Yeah. So that's our window in. Why not use it? So if we can maybe breathe in through our nose, which will start activating some really cool breath centers, and just the fact it's going through our nose is really a cool move. And I'll say just maybe blow out the candles gently. Mm-hmm. For about eight seconds, we're having a resisted exhalation that's longer than our inhalation, which is another good signal to breath centers in the brain. 
And then if we maybe wait for four seconds before we breathe in again, now we really have slowed our breath rate down. Now we're breathing so slow that we're actually holding our breath outside of us. We're like breathing out and just kind of like empty, right? Mm -hmm. And from a energy oxygen, like running from a tiger standpoint, dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. So then if our, and those are the people that are the worst, if they're like, no, I hold my breath when I get stressed. We're like, yeah, you're like, you're like, so you're your brainstem is so done for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like your <laughs> sympathetic nervous, your autonomic nervous system is like so imbalanced at this point. Hmm. Um, but anyways, if we can just start retraining our breath rate, uh, everything else starts to change. Yeah. Blood pressure, the immune system, because um, we have what's called a cell danger response. Mm-hmm. And this is like Dr. Robert Navio, like the guy from California really coined that term. What was it? 2015, his first paper came out or something like okay. that. Um, yeah, cell danger response, like metabolic features of the cell danger response. They gave it away for free. Like Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Probably one of the best articles I've ever read. I'm like, how did I not have to pay for this? Yeah. Um, you know, but anyways... Um, one of the biggest things that sets the systemic cell danger response, meaning the cells know there's something wrong outside of them, so they completely change their behavior on the inside. Hmm. Mitochondria are no longer uh, like a power plant. Mm-hmm. They're a battleship. Mm. They signal inflammation. Mitochondria polarize and start to... Anyways, noradrenaline from stress mm-hmm. creates a systemic cell danger response. A localized one might be like, you know, I bang my elbow got to heal the tissue, have a TBI. I need to do it like right here, maybe Mm -hmm. fix this part of my brain. Um, But that systemic one is the big one. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to this guy who's like really at the forefront of figuring out high mitochondria and all these like chronic diseases start, his interventions are hippie stuff. You should get outside in nature barefoot and ground. You should eat in season. You should fall asleep when the sun goes down. Like, mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, my gosh, this is basically everything we tell people to do. He's like, you should breathe. You should practice gratitude. And I'm like, yeah. So anyways, that's what's cool. And we hear like back to the allopathic, like they're blurring so much now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think allopathic is starting to realize like, our model was built off of World War II, like trauma centers, mm-hmm. and that's fine. We totally need that. Mm-hmm. But for chronic disease, that's not the answer. A trauma yeah. center is not the answer for chronic disease. Everybody knows that, mm-hmm. you know, um, but that's what insurance pays for. Yeah. And it you is know? so interesting, isn't it? Like we need the most expensive, invasive, like, you know, foreign to the body intervention to fix this when really what you know, you're saying, and, and I've seen this multiple times is stress on the body is probably one of the most devastating, toxic things that leads people down to the, down the path of chronic disease. I mean, oftentimes Mm -hmm. when you hear someone who is diagnosed, diagnosed with cancer or diabetes preceding that, if you take the time to listen to their story, they've had some major life event that's created enormous stress and it physiologically changes their way that their body is functioning and you know you're bringing to the point of it's their mitochondria right that's like no longer their friend or their energy house it's you know become their their enemy and there was a new paper that was just published uh that i was wanting to definitely go over and discuss in detail at the retreat so we will get a little nerdy okay Um, but the different 
areas of the brain activated based on the type of stress? Is it acute? Is it a chronic? Is it something I can control? Is it uncontrollable? Does the stress affect me? Does it affect somebody I love? Yeah. There's all these different variables and we're finding like, it's not just like, oh, the stress bucket. Um, so then, hey, like we're having a chronic stress, especially like the people in Australia. It's a chronic stress. It's uncontrollable by you. Mm -hmm. How is that different than maybe an acute stress is mm -hmm. something you can fix? Right, right. And a finite you know, amount of time or something yeah, that you're like, like so I don't know when brain, this is going to end. Yeah. So then, you know, not just for ourselves, like, well, what can we do to support ourselves as clinicians? Because we're in that state too. But like, mm -hmm. well, how can we differentiate between the types of stress the patient has and, and what different tools might we use mm -hmm. in that context to like get a better result than just, oh, let's try breathing. Like that can be good. But, you know, if I want to activate their basal ganglia or something like that, I might need to do some form of dual tasking or some form of inhibition um, as far as a neuroplastic type of therapy, like a red light, green light, not mm -hmm. to get like, again, it doesn't have to be that fancy. Half the time parents are like, this is going to help my kid with autism speak. And I'm like, yes. Hang in there. <laughs> yeah. Like just, yeah. just give me 60 days. Like they yeah. might not be like a poet, but and it's very common, you know, back to mm -hmm. like, you know, um, like nothing against OT and PT, but the kids mm -hmm. I see have been doing it for three years. Mm -hmm. Of course, my bias would be, I don't see the kids that it was a success with. Right. Right. right? They're not still looking for answers. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just say, you know, after three years, they should figure out how to hold a pen. They should mm -hmm. figure out how to say the R's or whatever we're trying to accomplish with that mm -hmm. therapy. Um, so then back to, well, if it's not working, like, this is the definition of insanity. Mm -hmm. But like if a patient wants to try to have insurance pay for me, a chiropractor, mm -hmm. to do neuro rehab, they think we've lost our minds. I know, which is so unfortunate. Yeah. And I'm just like, but you'll pay for this for five years straight right. and get like minimal to any results in some children. Like, mm -hmm. like I just don't understand. Like, and that's where, um, not to get political, but oh my gosh, like, if we could just get rid of insurance companies and just have doctors mm -hmm. see patients like mm -hmm. a true relationship, like, Hey, I work for you. This is what's best for you. Mm -hmm. um, that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be so nice. Yeah. I can relate, you know, in my world of being in diabetes and endocrinology for a lot of years, you know, it was like, uh, no, we won't cover this med that could prevent them from being on insulin. We're going to put them on insulin and no, we won't give them a continuous glucose monitor to figure out what's causing blood sugar elevations uh, until they're on insulin. And I'm like, yeah. really? Cause when we want to give that to yeah. them so they don't end up on insulin, shouldn't that be yeah. how we think about it? That's what I would but, tell people. I'd be like, we need to look at like your fasting insulin. They'd be like, well, my insurance won't cover it. I'm like, the cash price is like $3. Like, yeah. trust me, it's like, who cares? Like, why? Well, yeah. I don't know why they won't cover it, you know? But then I tell people like, we can see this coming for like, we can see diabetes coming for like a decade yes. away. Yes. Like, Hey, you know, not yeah. like not watch and wait. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and back I, to the brain health, the preventative model saves such a tremendous amount of money mm -hmm. compared to picking up the pieces, like just running MRIs on people that were, thank God, not finding anything on them. But like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't find Alzheimer's on an MRI until it's, Tell it's yeah, pretty advanced. That part of the brain is so gone, mm -hmm. we can just, hey, where'd it go? And we can't see it on an MRI anymore. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I think that's where patients can take some power back though, right? Is mm -hmm. we always want to assume we can't do anything medically unless it's covered by insurance. But I'm like, oh, heck no. Like I will pay for a ton of things out of pocket um, for, yeah. you know, prevention that, you know, are going to save me money in the long run. Um, 
So, you know, just kind of yeah. depends on where do you want to put your finances? Cause you're going to pay for my, prevention or you're going to pay for sickness. So yeah. which route do you want to go? Patients, if I can keep you out of the ER just once from yeah. having a fainting spell or a tachycardia, like I got to go to the hospital. Like mm-hmm. it's your services are paid for at that point. Yeah. Okay. So Jared, let me ask you this. Would you say that you are a healthcare rebel? Do people think you're a healthcare rebel? You know, I don't really know what people think of me. Uh, I, I know I am. I'm not really good at following a pack. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always kind of like, I guess, nonconformist. Like if somebody tells me not to do something, mm-hmm. oh, you know, type of thing. Um, but I would say I might be a rebel in the sense that like, um, I, I don't believe the body makes a mistake and I believe mm-hmm. nothing's going to heal the body better than itself. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, and it's, it's really cool back to the neuroplasticity, seeing brains change, but I always really try to check myself. Like I didn't do that. Their, their body did that. Mm-hmm. You're more of a guide and a teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the capacity that. within. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's very wise words, um, to share. Yeah. Cause it's very true. The body can heal itself in really profound ways. Um, and sometimes the less we do, the better it can heal, you know, depending on the scenario. Yeah. I bang a different drum than most of the functional medicine crowd. Okay. What like, does that I, mean? I know that for sure. Oh gosh. It's becoming the same thing of this for that approach. I don't yeah. see, I don't see a lot of functional medicine being so much root cause anymore. Hmm. And that like hurts my heart to say it, mm-hmm. you know, because like I, there's just too many protocols. There's too much treating test results instead of looking at patients. It's just functional tests instead of blood work. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, this instead of an MRI or whatever. Um, but I see the same kind of paradigm being perpetuated. I don't know if it's just a subconscious thing. That's what we're so exposed to that. That's what we view as normal. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Um Cause you know, that's back to the supplements. Like I just find like, like I, I used to speak for supplement companies until they realized I wouldn't just like hawk their goods. Like mm. for like, just like, Oh, here, this is the best Alzheimer's stuff. Like every magnesium says they're number one. Like mm-hmm. who is number two, three, who's last? Like, and who's even, right? what are the tests that are even validating yeah, the number one, you, two, and three? Yeah. yeah. How do you claim you're the best? Yeah. Like, how do you even do that? Interesting. Well, I'll have to dive into that more in November, but I can see what you're saying. I mean, I feel like, yeah, nutraceuticals can quickly all of a sudden replace pharmaceuticals and not always a necessary way. And, you know, I suppose maybe when you just put clinicians in any discipline, you know, you kind of fall back onto what you know, right, is which is like algorithms and protocols and and they have a purpose and a time and a place, but maybe it's deviating from finding that root cause, which is so Most important. Most of my patients say, oh, I've already done functional medicine. And I, I do like, well, you know how we operate, like super thorough review. And I'm yeah. just like, I hate to say it, like, you know, you kind of didn't. I view functional medicine as like the Wild West. Like okay. it's like so arbitrary and kind of un- not unregulated because like uh-huh. you have to be certified and stuff to like at least say you do it. But yeah, just the clinical application. And it's, of course, it's never going to, well, not never, but like, Maybe, and that's why clinicians are trying to go from, okay, we're used to protocols and this, and then going to another thing. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, well, I even, I mean, I have it in my doctor group. They're like, hey, what's the protocol for H. pylori? And I'm like, please don't use that word. Like, mm-hmm. let's focus on the person with H. pylori instead of just killing another bug. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of if you do triple therapy or some berberine with, you know, mastic gum, like, that's cool. I know we can knock out that bug, but... 
sometimes that stuff's not even a problem. Right, You'd be shocked right. how many infections people have and are completely asymptomatic. Hmm. So back to the balance of our body, it's, it's all like flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're looking for this rigidity. Like I would mm-hmm. use uh, long-term ketosis as a primary example. The people that jumped on ketosis and they're like, mm-hmm. well, I feel great. And they try to go back to eating carbs. Mm-hmm. And like I feel terrible. Like you didn't fix anything. You just switched fuels. Right. But you didn't fix anything. You're not flexible still. Mm-hmm. You're still very inflexible. Mm-hmm. And regardless of whether or not someone believes in Darwin, I fully agree with what he said. It's not the strength or intelligence of a species that will determine if it survives. It's its adaptability that determines if it can survive. Mm -hmm. If it can adapt, it can survive. Mm -hmm. And when we look at chronic disease, we see the ultimate inability to adapt. They can't go without food. They can't eat certain stuff. Their immune system fights everything. They can't handle another stress. They're Mm -hmm. so inflexible Mm -hmm. at this point that it, oh. They're walking a tightrope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I tell my patients, I don't want you to worry about what you eat, when you eat. Like if we can get past all this low FODMAP, AIP, like sometimes that helps, but that is not a good long-term strategy in mm-hmm. my opinion. Because um, then we haven't fixed them. We just avoid food. Right. Right. Which can almost sometimes cause more stress depending oh, yeah. on the person. So yeah, it's a oh, little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have that food anxiety and they're like, did that even, did that food graze a strawberry? I'm like, what did a strawberry, like, why are you so afraid of strawberries right now? Right. Because <laughs> some test or some person or some something said, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and most of those food sensitivity tests, I did a couple dual, like, like did the samples, mm-hmm. like split sampling. Yeah, there's a reason they're only like $90. Yeah, not overly um, I wouldn't hang my... Yeah, they, I was like, this is from the same person in the same blood draw. I wouldn't trust it for different people to save my yeah. life. Yeah, I can't even trust you know? different ones for, this, for the same person. Yeah, and back to treating test results versus patients, because people are like, I have this list. And I'm like, well, how do you feel when you eat the food in the red? They're like, fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why don't you eat the food in the red then? Like, who cares what some piece of paper says? Your mm-hmm. body is saying something completely different. Mm-hmm. Yep, very true. Very true. You know, I'd go back to when I was a nurse on the cardiac floor and you'd see someone's, you know, rhythm up on the telemetry screen and be like, oh, crap, they're going into, you know, VTAC or VFib. You'd run in the room and, you know, with all your stuff that you're like ready to, you know, do all your ACLS interventions and you get in the room and the patient's sitting there and they're totally fine. And you're like, what? Yeah, you're like solving a Rubik's yeah. cube or something. And you know? they just had like one of their EKG patches came off or telemetry yeah. patch. And you're like, oh my gosh. So it's that, yeah, you know, like, go back and like so look nervous. at the patient and see how they're doing. And are they okay before you, you know, sound all the alarms. All right. So Jared, are you game for some fire round and this or that? Yes. All right. So here we go. So tell us the top three health habits that you've seen make the biggest difference in your life or your patient's life. Forgiveness, gratitude, going to bed on time. Those are three good ones. I like them. What's your favorite book? Hmm. That's a tough 1984. And I would say that even before COVID. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love that book. Okay. Yeah. What would your last meal be? Mm. Can I choose who it's with instead of what I eat? Yeah. Oh, my dad. Aw, that's very sweet. I've never had anyone switch it like that. I like that. Oh, the, the food is just merely 
that's not what's important, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it is when you're like starving to death, but like to me, the dinner table was always more about the memory. About who you're with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a cool perspective. Good answer. I like that. Who's your favorite music artist? Oh, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> really? Yeah. I did yeah. not expect that. A lot. No, no. Yeah. I, I like the boy band. So okay, I'm fine. I'm fine with my sexuality. So. <laughs> you know, I like boy bands too. So it's all good. I actually yeah. saw Justin Timberlake in concert and he's fantastic. Oh, I may have even tried, listened to him on my way here. Nice. I tried to find uh, when I was in Cairo school, there was like a, a concert in Vegas. It was like a very mm-hmm. small show. Like he was going to like a room of only like 150 people by the no time way. we like tried to buy tickets. So it was already, oh, oh my yeah, gosh. I would have like sold a leg to go to that. <laughs> You'd have given your right frontal cortex and been like, here yeah, you go. Exactly. Just I let me in. Social interaction anyway. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is your most annoying habit? Hmm. I can't stand to watch people do something incorrectly. My OCD just won't allow it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, get out of the way. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I'll remember that in November. I'll be on my most yeah. correct behavior. Did you try anything new for this first, for the first time this past year? Mm. Let me think. Something new. First time. This. Unfortunately, no. No. We had a new no. baby. So I would say you parented two kids, two kids instead of one. She gave a natural birth this time. You know, we were, when we first got pregnant, first on kind of like, you know, functional medicine, the whole Mm -hmm. journey we're on now. And, um, you know, we just, especially with when COVID hit, I Mm -hmm. told my wife it would be a nightmare if you give birth to our son in a room and I can't even go see him. Mm. Like that's the complete opposite of mm-hmm. how I want our son to enter this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a champ. That was like two minutes. She like pushed twice. And I was just wow. like, she didn't scream. I'm just like, I'm married to like some, like, yeah. I better watch out. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, like, she made that look easy. Like, why does everybody, why is this so hard? She like worked out that day. Like wow. she was like, Oh, I think these are fake contractions. I'm like, Oh, the midwife. So they're like, no, you're having the baby. Like you need to come in. She's like, let's just finish supper. I'm like, okay. Julie, what a champ. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. She's an evolutionary uh, advanced species, right? Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A couple of this or that. Are you an early riser or a night owl? Early riser. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Introvert or extrovert? Totally introvert. Texting or talking? Talking. Massage or acupuncture? Oh, massage. Sauna or cold plunge? It kind of depends on the mood. I like, I love the effects of a cold plunge more than a sauna. I feel the effects more. So I'd probably say cold plunge. You just kind of, I don't, the frequency, right? Like you don't want to do that like five times a week. Right, right. How about black and white or gray? Oh, huh. Ooh. Can they be different shades of gray? No. (laughs) (laughs) I I might say black and white, actually. Okay. That surprises me. And maybe your answer is different shades of gray. I don't know. I'm like looking around in my office like, I don't know, black or white or gray. I have a little bit of both. Like, that's gray. (laughs) Yeah. 
There you go. All right. So, Jared, if people want to find out more about you or see you as a clinician, where can they find you or where can they find more information about you? Yeah. DrJaredSigler.com. It's S-E-I, not S-I-E. Okay. Everybody spells my last name wrong. That's fine, though. So (laughs) I may have been guilty of that once or twice, too, but now I know. Now I know. Well, my, uh, it's when my grandfather came over from Germany after the war. Uh-huh. I used to be Z-I-E, and I tried okay. to, like, Americanize it or something. Uh-huh. I used to be Zygla, but that probably didn't go too well over in, like, 1946, you know? Right, so, uh, right. I got it. All right, and for our audience listening, I just want you to know that Dr. Jared will be part of our November Brain-Based Health Retreat, which is offering both continuing medical education credits and continuing education credits for both uh, chiropractors and traditional medicine professionals. If you'd like to find out more about The Point Retreats, you can find us on our website, thepointretreats.com, our various social media pages, Point Retreats on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Otherwise, I hope this time learning and listening to Jared inspires you to rebel and be well. You've been listening to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Ryman, registered nurse, founder, and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. If you'd like to ask Krista Rymel or one of our past or upcoming guests a question that will be aired on a future show, simply call 612-352-9177 and leave a message. Please know that when you leave a message, it may be used in whole or in part on a future podcast episode. Again, that phone number is 612-352-9177. Please hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you found us on and rate and review our show. We'd love to hear feedback. Rebel and Be Well is recorded at the studios of Minnesota Podcasting, located in St. Paul, Minnesota. Find them online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or policies of the Point Retreats, Minnesota Podcasting, or any other organization. All medical issues, concerns, diagnoses, medications, and treatments must be managed by your doctor. We do not replace any clinician's medical advice or treatment. Join us next time for Rebel and Be Well.